You're listening to the Pay Friends Community Church Podcast, recorded September 7th, 2015. Mind Renovation. We are back. We took the summer off from podcasting, and we have returned with a new podcast, a new sermon series. The fall leaves are changing. Football season is about to start. Baseball playoffs are coming. And here we are. We're starting this new series, and uh, it's it's called Renovation. And it's based off of Dallas Willard's book, Renovation of the Heart. It's this idea of putting on the character of Christ. And the only way to put on the character of Christ is God has to renew us. He has to restore us. Um, the thing about renovation is when you when you first start the renovation process, there's usually something that has to be destroyed. There's something that has to be wiped out. You imagine if you're gonna take down a wall um, or redo a wall, you have to you have to break into the drywall, and that first swing into the drywall to break it up is probably the most nerve wracking, isn't it? Because you, you, you're going to open up the wall and there's this unknown of what might be found when you open up that wall. What, what's going to be behind the wall? What, what co- kind of rotting is going on? And so I know there, there's some of you who are listening who've been walking with the Lord maybe for years. And I'm sure at this point in your life you could point to how you have changed. You could say, this is who I was before I knew the Lord. Um, and look look how God has changed my heart over, over the years. God has been shaping me and molding me. And this process is, is never done. As the closer we, we grow to the Lord, the more he, he changes us and forms us. And we are being, more, being made more and more into his image. If you've only been walking with the Lord a short time, uh, even you are able to point out, this is who I was, and look how God has changed my heart. Look, look what God has, has done in my life just in this short amount of time. But the, the thing about renovation is you have to acknowledge that you need it. You have to acknowledge that you need it, or, or else... There's no room for Christ, right? Because Christ is about changing us, transforming us more and more into his likeness. And it's kind of like the first step like of an AA meeting is you have to first admit that you're an alcoholic. And the thing about our hearts, the first thing we have to do is admit that our hearts are not right, that we are not right perfect so as we go through this renovation process or 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 maybe maybe you're on the fence about about who you are and do I really need to change or you you know maybe God will get a hold of you and 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 begin to to open some areas of your life up where you realize that you are hurting that you are broken and and I and God changes us and shapes us, but you know sometimes that first swing into the drywall, that first opening up, allowing is the scariest because you don't know what you are going to find. It's the point of no return. 
today we are talking about the renovation of the mind. And this is going to be one of uh, two sermons uh, on the renovation of the mind. And more specifically, today we're going to talk about the renovation of our thought life. The renovation of our thought life. And I want to pose this question to us and ask us, like, how do we cultivate a thought life? Like, you know, the things that we think, how do we cultivate a thought life centered around God on his goodness and greatness and therefore on truth? Because if our thought life is not centered around God on his goodness and greatness, therefore on truth, I guess the opposite of that is that we focus maybe on a lie or an incomplete truth, a half truth. So I believe there are three factors that influence our thoughts, and we're going to go through those three factors today, those three factors that influence our thought life. The first one, the first factor that influences our thought life is our ideas. Where do they come from? I remember a few years ago, I was um, doing counseling with another pastor at our church um, with this college student that was part of our ministry, and she had been coming faithfully to our to our midweek Bible study, and she was there every week, and and she had a she had a rough past. Uh, she had two kids from different fathers, and she was dating a guy that we were seeing the visible signs of abuse. And so we asked, would you like to meet with us? Would you like to talk to us? And she was like, yes, I would love to meet and talk with you guys. So we started meeting and talking uh, with, with her. And we started asking questions about her family and, and how she grew up. And, and we asked about her mom and, and we asked about her dad and her relationships with her parents. And she said, you know what? My relationships with my parents were, were pretty normal. They, they, they were, they were pretty normal. You know, my, my mom, she was there for me. She'd make my lunch for me before I'd go to school. And, um, you know, my dad, he would occasionally rough me up and pull my hair and whatnot, but you know, it was a normal childhood and right, you know, we're listening to this and we're saying, wait a minute, a father hitting her daughter, a father pulling her daughter's hair, roughing her up. That's not normal. But the idea of normal for her was that's how men are. That's how men are. See, often our our ideas are shaped by our own experiences, but not all our experiences are rooted in truth. Do you follow me? We also have ideas in our time about what success is, right? Is success, is our idea of success is having more possessions and uh, getting promotions and making more money. Is that our idea of success? I remember when I entered college, I had this kind of life plan laid out. And I don't know if I had consciously said this is my plan but this is just how I imagined my life being I had this idea of how my life would go I would go to college I would meet the beautiful girl we would get married we would have a jobs we would eventually buy a house then we'd have kids and then we'd have 
we we need to buy a bigger house because we needed more space and then we continue to work our great jobs and then the kids would move out of the house and then we'd downsize into a smaller house and then we would retire and that would be it but so far i mean there's been parts of that idea that have taken place but it hasn't worked out like that. And, and, and I remember for a while thinking that, man, is my life somehow incomplete? Am I, not, am I not succeeding in life because I missed some of those steps along the way? Now, I, I met the beautiful girl and we got married. Um, but the, the high-paying job has never really come. We never bought the house. We have the kids and we love our kids. And so I remember there was a point in my life where I had to reconcile all of this and, and begin to question, is this idea that I had about my life, my idea about success, is it really what it should be? You know, we live in a time now where, where we can share our ideas with anybody, Right, because of the internet. And and I think that is fantastic. How awesome is it that you could go online and just and, and hear others people thoughts and opinions and ideas? How many how many of you use Pinterest, right? Isn't Pinterest amazing? You could go online, you can look and see what other people are are making and creating, and then they give you a step by step guide of how to do it. How fantastic is that? It's people sharing ideas, and I love that about the internet. But then there's the other side of the internet is there's people who share ideas that maybe those ideas shouldn't really be shared because they're really not rooted in anything good. You know, you know anybody can get online and create a blog. You know... Sometimes we use social media can function as a way to promote ourselves and make ourselves seem greater than we really are. And we create ideas in other people's head about our life. The idea that we are thriving, that, that we are living the best life ever. And so with all these ideas, sometimes are the ideas that come into our heads, sometimes they're not always rooted in truth, right? How many of you have ever posted a photo and everybody looks happy, but inside you feel terrible? But what you're do, doing is creating and giving people the idea about how your life really or how, you're, how you, you want people to view your life. You're, you're creating an idea for them about yourself. You know, Eve in the book of Genesis is tempted with an idea. It's this idea that God cannot be trusted and that she must act on her own. That somehow this idea that she is somehow incomplete and, and by eating the fruit that it will bring more fullness to her life. You can't trust this God. And I think sometimes a lot of us live our life with this idea. We are taught to act on our own, follow our dreams, look out for number one. 
But this idea we need to make sure to take care of, number one, thrives in our Western culture, our individual culture, right? You need to take care of yourself. You need to follow your dreams, do what you got to do, and then you will experience happiness. If you have your Bibles, um, you could turn to Philippians chapter 2. And Paul, he's writing to this church. And it's a it's a church full of Roman citizens. And in fact, most of these uh, members of this church are actually former Roman military. And the thing about Roman military is they have this idea about how they relate to one another and those around them. Right there in the military, there's this kind of military culture. We have it here in the in the in the United States, right? Our our military kind of has its culture of its own, and they have ideas and systems about how they view um, themselves and the world. And Paul's writing to uh, this church in Rome of a bun- to a bunch of uh, people who are former military members, and this is what he writes. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, And of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. What Paul is writing to them about is being like-minded. And if they're to be like-minded, they're to have the same love. They're to have being one in spirit. And they're, they're not to do anything selfish or, or in vain conceit. They're, they're, they're to act in humility and value others above yourself. This is a new way of seeing themselves. And, and I, I don't think they would they would see anything wrong with that but then what Paul does is he says you know what it's having the exact same mindset of Christ he then frames all that and having the same mindset of Christ and then he goes on in verse 6 listen to this who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, this is a new idea of being like-minded. It's a new idea about how to be together, how to be a community. It's about self-sacrifice. It's about humility. It's about having the very ideas about who, how Christ viewed himself. If we're to be like Christ, if we're to have the same ideas of Christ, we need to think about who Christ is 
and have an idea of what he has done. He made himself nothing. He made himself a servant. Even though he was God, he made himself into human likeness. He humbled himself. And he was obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, our ideas need to be shaped by Christ and who he is and what he does. Our ideas need to be shaped by Christ, by who he is and what he does. The second influencer of our thoughts, our thought life, our images. The images we see are so powerful. I imagine when you get in your car and you're driving down the road, there's these billboard signs that you see. And they have these images. They have this logo. And what they're doing, they're vying for your attention. Even in this church where I'm recording this podcast, we have windows um, that allow light to come through that show a picture. They're, they're images that stick in our mind. There's doves. There's crosses. In fact, we, we are bombarded with images that vie for our attention. Have you seen a car commercial? They, they, a car commercial wants you to buy not a car but an image. It's not just a car they're selling you, but it's an, it's an image. If you think about any car commercial, there's, there's two scenarios basically. There's this fancy car that's driving in the midst of a city, but something is always missing in the city. Do you know what it is? It's other cars, right? Pay attention to a car commercial next time. And when you see a car driving in a downtown area, notice there's no other cars on the road. Now, I grew up in the Los Angeles area, and I can tell you that there is not a time in the day or night when you drive in the city and there's not another car on the road, right? But, but it's, it's buying into an idea, an image, sorry, it's buying into an image of who you could be if you bought this car. In the late 90s, Steve Jobs, he came back to Apple and one of their first marketing campaigns. Now, Apple was on the brink of bankruptcy. They were about to fall apart. And, and they needed to do something revolutionary to, to keep the company afloat. And their first marketing campaign was two words. Think different. See, they weren't selling you a computer. They were selling you an image of people who use their computers people who use macs think different they're not like those people who just use those boring pcs but people who use macs think differently do you want to be one of those kind of people it's creating an image in our mind 
about who we are. Christ himself used images. See, the cross was the Roman symbol of power. Right? In Jesus' time, it was a symbol of power. If you didn't go with Rome, if you didn't go with the way of Rome, there was a place for you, and it was on a cross. Now, today, we see crosses everywhere. They're on our churches. People wear crosses around their necks. But when we look at a cross today, nobody looks at a cross and says, Oh, that's the Roman symbol of power, isn't it? Right? Nobody says that. It's because Jesus used that image of himself, God on a cross, to redefine power. The cross is the most globally understood symbol today, and it's associated with Christ and his power. Romans 12:2 says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. See what happens when we allow images that that when we allow images to try to, to enter into our thought life that, that want to define us, that, that when we see ourselves as an image that we're not supposed to be, we need, we need renewing, right? We need this renewing of the mind about who we really are. Now, I, I love Max. I'm recording this podcast on a Mac. And do I think differently? Probably not. I mean, of course I think differently than some and similar to others. But my identity, who I am, my image can't conform to Apple computer. You know, there's all these things that are that are wanting us to identify and us become an image of the product. You know, what is, or, or sometimes it's even regionally based. Um, I recently went and visited my, uh, my brother and sister-in-law in Oregon. And, uh, and right now, I live in a small farming community, and there's definitely kind of this image associated with living in Portland, Oregon. There, there, there's this kind of image that's associated uh, with living in Portland, Oregon, just like there's kind of this image associated if you live in Berkeley or if you live in Southern California. At one point, I was candidating at a church in Indiana to be their senior pastor. And I remember uh, one of the questions was like, well, how often do you surf? And I think they were really disappointed when they found out, when I told them, you know what, like, yeah, I live in Southern California, like about 45 minutes away from the beach, but I've never surfed in my life. I go to the beach like once a year in the summer. And, and it was because they had this image that they imagined me, like this, this Southern California surfer dude. What up, brah? 
You see, but, but we ourselves are not supposed to conform to these patterns in this world, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And, and, it's, and it's, we need to be renewed, we need to be transformed into the image of Christ. And it's only when we're transformed and our minds are renewed that then we can see God's will, who God is is the third factor that influences our thought life is information you see failure to know what god is like and what god law requires destroys the soul it ruins society and it leaves us in eternal ruin See, when we don't know what God is, is like, it destroys a part of us. When we don't understand his character, who God is, it destroys us, and it destroys the people around us, and it leaves us all to ruin. See, failure to understand God's grace leads us down a dark, dark path. See, when we fail to understand what God is like, it's going to lead us places that we don't want to go. And I think what happens is we begin to search for, for the grace of God in other things. When, when, we, when, we don't ser- when we don't have a theology about God's grace, his love and his kindness towards us, who wants to heal and mend our broken hearts when we if we have this view of this image of this god that is just distant far away looking down on us waiting for us to make the next mistake if that's our view of what god is like it's going to ruin and destroy our soul it'll ruin society and it'll leave us all in eternal ruin And what then happens is if we have this view of God, that God is somehow distant, God is somehow far away, he's other, he's not present with us, working within us, we turn to other graces that end up falling short. I believe one of the ways we, we do this today is in our sexuality today. That that we tend that that there's this there's there's this cultural thing going on where we define ourselves by who we sleep with. But but aren't we as humans more than a sexual preference? Like like aren't we more than a sexual preference? You see. In Scripture, the coming together of a husband and wife, they bear the complete image of the divine. In Genesis, it talks about how God made male and female, and in his image, he created them. That somehow that the coming together of male and female, two wholes becoming one, is the image of the divine. See, isn't it our sexuality the very place where Satan would want to twist the information, the very place where we see 
the image of God in the union of a man and a woman. And so Satan, he twists the information that we are, we as humans are defined by a sexual preference, who we choose to sleep with. And I believe, I believe we're searching for, for grace is what we're searching for. We're, we're searching for somebody to say and look at us and have mercy and grace on our brokenness. But we choose to put it in our sexuality that we're somehow made whole. There's this belief that we're somehow made whole when we go with the compassions and the desires of our hearts. And you know what? That's false information, friends. That doing what feels good is false information because it will leave us broken and in ruin. Isaiah 55, verse 8, it says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That God's, and so when I read this, I I imagine that God's view of humanity, God's view of us is much higher than we even view ourselves. That, that, that God's love and compassion and grace on us is way higher than we even have for ourselves. And so when we settle for these things that are less than, we can clearly see that our thoughts are not his thoughts, our ways are not his ways. God's view, God is higher than the heavens. The heavens are higher than the earth. God has a higher view of humanity, of us, than we do. And I let this information permeate in your mind. Think about that, that God views us better than we view ourselves. God has higher hopes for us than we have for ourselves. Isn't this good news, friends? Isn't this good information to know that God's view of us is higher than we have of ourselves? And so what would it look like for for humans to view ourselves in the light of the divine? whose thoughts are higher than our thoughts, that his view for us is higher than ours. That is good news, friends. Some of you know that that story in the New Testament where Jesus, he's telling his disciples that the Messiah must be crucified, that he is going to die on a cross. And and Peter, he, he stands up and he says, no, Jesus, that's not going to happen. That, that's not going to happen to the Messiah. You're the Messiah. That's not going to happen. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Harsh words. It's because it's Peter's view of what was happening 
his the information that he had about about what a messiah is and what a messiah does was too small that Jesus was doing something much bigger much better than Peter could ever imagine and what if what if we had that for ourselves understood that that God's plan and rescue plan for humanity is far better than anything that we could conjure up on our own. See, God wants us to have a thought life that is centered around him on his goodness and his greatness, and therefore it rests in truth. See, do our ideas, are they centered around being Christ-like? Are the images in our head worthy and right of our attention? Do we have the right information about what God is like? Do we have the right information about how God views us as humans? So how do we shape the ideas and images and information that influence our thought life? How do we begin to shape those ideas and images and information that influence our thought life? And I'm just going to give us three ways. I'm just going to give us three ways. And you're going to listen to this list and you're going to say, well, that's not very impressive. And maybe that's what's so great about it. Is that it's very simple what we need to do for to shape our ideas and images and information that influence our thought life. The first one, first thing that we need to do to shape our ideas and images and information of our thought life is intentional time with God. Intentional time with the Lord. Maybe for you that, that that's that's reading a chapter of scripture a day. Maybe it's just reading one single verse a day and taking time to meditate on it, taking time to memorize it. Maybe it's simply sitting in silence and listening to God. But taking intentional time to spend with the Lord. The second way that we are that, that shapes the ideas and images and information that influence our thought life is being part of a church body. It, and, and being part of a church body is so important because together we are all gathered together to help discern the heart of God, to learn the heart of God together. And, and it's something that, that if we do it on our own, we can go in crazy directions. And we need the accountability. We need the history. We need of the being together with other people. And so we need to be part of a church body who loves one another, who cares for one another, who serves together, who holds each other accountable because being part of a church definitely shapes our ideas and images and information that influence our thought life. Because you know what? It, 
what's going to happen if we're not part of a church body. We're going to be part of some other body, whether intentionally or unintentionally. And sometimes, and, and, and some those things can influence us, our thought life, in, in ways maybe, maybe we didn't intend for it to. And so if we gather together, the thing about the church is we gather together intentionally to be one with the heart of God. And we have to do that together. The third way that we shape our ideas and images and information that influence our thought life is to be part of a smaller group. That that there's a few people in your life that you are close to that, that you can that you could speak honestly with. That you could talk about the ideas and images and information that, that are going on in your life, that you can that you could be very open and honest and that they will love you and care for you and then in, in turn speak truth into your life. You know, you can't do it alone. So I want to encourage you this week to ask the question, what is influencing the ideas and images and information that influence your thought life? What are those things that, that is influencing your thought life? And I would encourage you, and I want to challenge you this week to spend intentional time with the Lord. Commit to your church. And be part of people who are going to hold you accountable, who love you and care about you, and will speak truth into your life. May you go in grace and peace, and may your thoughts be the very thoughts of Christ himself. Have a blessed week.